race car. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit brokenjars.xyz uh, to check out awesome, jawsome shows. Um, big what up to Zencaster, our lovely, lovely sponsor. Yes, and that's why our audio quality is sounding amazing. Yeah, man. A lot of people have been given mad props. Phrasing it just like that. They're like, props. hey, yo, J-Ray, mad props. I'm like, yo, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> um, you too can do podcasts with awesome sounding quality by visiting Zencaster.com and entering. Oh, no, it's a, what is it? It's a coupon code, right? Promo code broken jars, jars all, all capital letters when you sign up and you'll get 20% off a three month order, or a year long order. So yeah, it's totally worth it. Uh, I was paying for this before they gave us a sponsorship. So it's totally worth your 20 bucks a month. If you're going to podcast, it takes a lot of the hassle out of things, does post production for you. Sounds great. So 100% try it out. Yeah. Check it out. Zencaster.com. So, Jay Ray, we have some some bookkeeping, not bookkeeping, bookkeeping. Housekeeping. I don't know. Housekeeping, well, right? Yeah. The, we have both bookkeeping and housekeeping. Bookkeeping wise, everybody listening to this podcast owes me three dollars um, <laughs> for that thing. So you could uh, Google wallet me that. Thank you. And in terms of housekeeping, yeah, uh, great Scott. Uh, as you'll notice by listening to this, is switch in weeks. Um, so starting with this episode, we will be released every two weeks. So this is a really great period for great Scott listeners because you guys had two episodes back to back. Yeah, and less what, less than a week or yeah. a week or but whatever. Never again. <laughs> and I will be gone next time. So wait, is that right? Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 I will be gone next time. So. You're going to be doing a special episode on the webisodes. That's right. That's right. Uh, with uh, the lovely Mrs. J. Ray. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Amanda of Dangerous to Go yeah. Alone fame. And uh, yeah, we'll be covering the uh, the first series of webisodes, The Accountants, um, which is way back in like season two. Uh, so if you haven't boned up on those, we're giving you the heads up. Um, go check them out. I think they're all for free on NBC.com, even if you don't have a cable subscription or whatever. Otherwise, um, probably on YouTube. Probably. I think they're on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hence webisodes. You, you know? know, I need I need to sit down and actually watch those because I've never seen a single one. Yeah, there's um, it's not a whole webisode series. I think it just might be one short. But there's one that is um, cooking with Kev. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's Kevin just basically showing you how to cook a fancy meal within the office using like office stuff. And his, his grand finale is a creme brulee. Um, it ends very similar to him dropping the chili bucket. But, oh. um, 
it's it's man so we're yeah we're getting into we're wrapping up season five so we're starting with casual friday uh written by anthony farrell directed by brent forrester and it is the single worst cold opening in the history of the office there's like there's nothing i want to skip more than this in the will ferrell episodes in season seven <laughs> like i like so it opens up, Killy, uh, Killy, because I can't talk. I did I mention I'm hopped up on cold meds? That's right. Well, I am sick and I'm hopped up on cold meds. So, but I am drinking a lot of water. So this might get really interesting. That's I, uh, know, I, I keep muting my mic because I got a sniffle. We're, yeah, we're having all types of problems over here. All right. So Kevin is talking about his chili that he does once a year, makes a big pot, and the trick, of course is to uh, undercook the onions so everyone gets to know each other in the pot. Right. Uh, wait, let me rewind a second, Jacob. Okay. I missed it when you said it, but you don't like this cold open? I hate it. Why? How could you? I feel so bad for Kevin. Like, he's so proud of it, and he drops it, and it just it's so sad and like but it kind of makes me wonder because you can see him like scooping the uh yeah the chili back into the pot the chili back into it so i kind of wonder if he you know because he does come in early he says that's right so i wonder i kind of wonder if he's uh he's got the um, you know he ends up serving it so like creed obviously wouldn't notice but someone else might know some you know carpet in their chili that's what she but it just makes me so sad for Okay, so so it's not a dislike because of quality. It's no, because no, no, no. Of it's very high quality. Okay, okay. yeah, no, it's but an it emotional just, thing. It's emotional thing. Right. Like, you, like you know, he's so proud of it, and then it gets taken away from him. Like, oh, poor Kev. It's tough. Like he, he gets picked on a lot, and for the most part, he doesn't deserve it. Right. No, nope. it's true. Um. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I thought we were going to start this episode on a really rocky place, man. Um, well, one thing I I did notice. Is that Kevin must be an expert cleaner because when they come into the episode, there is no mark of chili. Yeah. Like you would think it would take some time for it to dry, you know, it would stain, you know. That's the secret but of Malone no- chili. No stains. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a couple instances of these like weird isolated moments in office history, like, um, like, you know, I always go back to that um, ending of that episode where Andy comes back at the end of an episode after anger management and gets sprayed in the face with bear mace. Um, obviously, not really a canon moment because he comes back in the next episode in the beginning with no hard feelings toward anybody, no recollection of the mace being sprayed into his own face. So, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, fourth wall wise, they're just kind of having a little fun. Although they went through a lot of trouble. That's a F ton of chili. That is. Yeah. And it really was all over. Like, even for, like, okay, so it's one thing. It's a horror show uh, from an office perspective to work in an office where there's chili all over the floor. Uh, but yeah, that's like, they break ruined that set, right? They had to like recarpet it or something, which is kind of nice. I mean, if if they're right, if they're on top of it, like do the take, immediately start cleaning it up, get the shampooer out there. It probably doesn't have enough 
um, time to set it to do damage. Yeah, I mean, look, then mad props to Brian Baumgartner for playing his part so well. Hopefully, only doing it in one take. So he gets chilly all over himself. Yeah. And, you know, there could be some camera trickery where there's actually some plastic down that we just can't see. Right. Right. Um, All right. That's a fair point. But it is messy. And I don't even like chili that much. You get Chili is real hit and miss. Yeah. Chili is like jazz. When it's good, it's really good. But most of it sucks. Um, right. It could be like real jazz or it could be like Michael playing basketball jazz. <laughs> Who knows? Or um, the, uh, the jazz from Classy Christmas. Oh, that too. Yeah. Um, okay. So the big point of this episode here is Michael Scott is back. It's Britney, bitch. Except not. That already happened. Right. He is back in charge of Dunder Mifflin Screen. He is the happiest camper in the world. And uh, we're presented with this weird, like, theatrical entrance with a football-style banner that he's supposed to, like, por- porky pig his head through, uh, which he just can't do. <laughs> and that's it. Does he poke through it, or does he actually get, like, scissors I to think cut Aaron has to pass him scissors, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, but yeah, it- so he's like, oh, you have missed him. You've wanted to be him. Right. Women want to make love to him or something like something terrible that you should never say in the office. You know, he's like, oh, it's Michael Scott. He's like, conference room, five minutes. That's right. Like everybody claps and he's right back at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with his return is also the return of Casual Friday. Right. So why do we think Casual Friday um, ended? Because it was there in season two. Right. So at some point between, well, after after the, the cold open with Michael's jeans where he thinks, and even in that, even that segment, Pam says, I think that's why Michael reinstituted Casual Fridays. Right. Like so it's been banned away. before. Yeah. Um, yeah so, it's probably the same problems that we see in this episode. We've got an unfortunately scantily clad Meredith. We've I mean, got, really, Meredith's the only one that's too far, you know? Well, I mean, if if there wasn't Meredith, Oscar's open toes could be a thing, which is weird. You know, we talked about this last week in terms of uh, workplace attire and stuff, right? Um, and how it's BS that women can wear skirts and I can't wear a nice pair of non-cargo shorts. Similar, That's true. You know, ladies are wearing open-toed shoes, and to be fair, sometimes they have heels, and that's got to suck. But uh, I can't go to work wearing flip-flops, and there's no work-appropriate style toe shoe, you know, open-toed shoe for a man. Man, uh, well, there, there's the market. They're like, you want to make a, 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 a mint, just figure <laughs> out some way to have work-appropriate sandals for men. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Birkenstocks, that's, that's right in your realm, you know? Just make something a little nice and dressy. Get some nice shiny leather. <laughs> See, for my my wife's <laughs> work, yeah. uh, they can be open-toed, but they have to have a back. So it can't be like flip-flops. It has to be, it has right. to have a, but they can be sandals. Right. So like those like Roman-style sandals that are like super hip now. 
Well, Jacob says being the old person. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it's like, it, but I wonder if that's more of a safety thing than like an appropriate thing. Uh, there, there's probably some of that, you know. Yeah. yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, I just think it's probably more of the same. You know, we've got overexposure. We've got complaints within departments. Uh, maybe some fashion bickery between people who are wearing outfits that are too similar because they got them at Boscov's from the Steamtown Mall. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So who wore better, Pam or Phyllis? That's a ridiculous question. Obviously Phyllis, which I have to uh, say. Otherwise, Bob Vance will find me. <laughs> he will murder you. That's yes. right. <laughs> and so he, he pulls everyone into this conference room, right? And he, he's like, hey, I'm going to let you lead it. And he just wants them to say they're sorry right. for not following him, which I don't really get, right? Um, why would he want that? Well, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I could maybe see wanting a, hey, you know what, dude? You did a good job. Congratulations. Right. But, you know, maybe it's just his disconnect of, look, they didn't want to leave a well-ish paying job to come to this startup paper company that right. was failing or did fail. I just managed to pull it out the last second and sell it back to Dunder Mifflin for way more than it was worth. Well, I wonder if it's a thing where like he's coming at it from a perspective that because he got what he got, um, he feels like correct in his actions, right? Charles no longer kind of meddles in the Scranton business of things. Um, right. Obviously, he had scared David and other shareholders about what the Michael Scott Paper Company was doing. And, um, you know, again, he really walked away winning in a situation where, you know, and Magic 8-Ball would say, all signs point to hell no. Uh, so... <laughs> So it's like, I feel like, so he comes back and it's like really like this victory lap for him. So I guess if people said what you had said, you know, like a good job, you know, succeeding where you shouldn't have, even something like that would have been appreciated. I don't think an apology was the only thing, but, but like you said, Michael is like so inept sometimes, like the social cues and like what should be done and like sometimes really escape him. Right. And it kind of seems... Maybe it's just something happened off screen, but it seems like there was no real transition plan. It was just like, all right, just go back to normal. They didn't they didn't figure out clients, you know, because you would have figured Dunder Mifflin would have stepped in to say, okay, look, you can't, they can't keep all their clients. They did steal these from us. So, you know, instead of leaving all these clients with Michael Scott Paper Company. Um. Well, yeah, there definitely must have been some form of contract that Michael had to fill out as, like, the owner, right? Um, And you would figure there might be a clause in terms of what to do with those clients, but um, I don't really know how that works necessarily because, for example, my company, we they sell stuff. I don't sell. I'm a marketing guy, but... We brought on a woman a couple of years ago who was supposed to do high-level sales for us. And when she came aboard, she already had contacts at a lot of businesses that we had never done business with, you know? So part of it 
is that those contacts are the asset of the salesperson also, you know? I'm sure I know that, but, you, but they, I'm assuming there were they weren't you weren't exist already selling to them. You know, it's one thing that like you were selling to them, oh, they got sure. taken away, yeah. and now they're back. Yeah, no, not specifically that instance. Though I would say there are situations where we're probably in communications with them via different channel, and this salesperson coming on gave us another door to also try through. Right. Um. Well, because also, I don't think Dunder Mifflin has any right to say that these clients were stolen from them. Like, that's the nature of their business, you know? Like, the client obviously has the right to choose where they go. And right. Scott, and, you know, that yeah. could have been... Um, that could have been... You know, maybe they had the choice to, to do either... Um, yeah, they, maybe they had the choice who they wanted to go with. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't think I can see why it wasn't or I can see how it might not have been discussed prior to this day. But it's the first thing that comes to a head during this meeting is that no one will apologize. And we find out that Pam and Ryan are staying on board as salespeople because they have their own clients, which as we just said, are actually clients from the other salespeople at Dunder Mifflin that were stolen. Right. And you have to assume because of, you know, Charles saying that they had stolen <laughs> so many big clients, et cetera, that these aren't just clients, they're high value clients. So, you know, the, they've lost the, the other salespeople have lost a good amount of money right. because of these, maybe, maybe not yet, but they're going to. Right. Because right, we, like, we don't know their commission structure. We don't know if it's month. Wait, it's quarterly. Uh, yeah. Well, at least with uh, with Sabre, it's quarterly. So I would assume Dunder Mifflin's the same Yeah. for the commission. You know what's interesting uh, is that I feel pretty sure that a sales representative would sign a non-compete clause. That like their next job opportunity couldn't be within a certain radius or in the same industry or something like that. Uh, but that being said, Ryan was fired. And Pam wasn't a salesperson. Right. So that's why they were kind of exempt to do what they did at Michael Scott. And probably really the only people uh, to do it aside from like accounting or Kelly or something. Um, so them coming back, it really does continue to seem that it's within their right to keep those clients, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not within their right. I'm just saying I'm surprised Dunder Mifflin didn't take them away from them. Right, or try to divvy them up appropriately or something like that, right? Right. Um, well, no resolution is made during this meeting. Everybody goes back to work. And um, throughout the day, we see that there is not a clear merger between the Michael Scott paper company and Dunder Mifflin, right? Right. Yeah, they're deaf the, the the Michael Scott paper people, they're really they're they're living high on the hog. They feel pretty good about what they've done and they're not transitioning back in. They feel it's like uh the victor's returning, you know, that's right. sort of what, what they're coming in as. Um, so, and then there's some oddities too, where Michael goes around and gives the Michael Scott Paper Company alum uh, special beverages that he has come to know that they like. Ryan gets some type of energy drink. Pam gets a Fiji water. 
I forget what Michael was drinking, but some shit. Um, but everybody in the office Great notices food, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like it's it's a pretty obvious move that everybody in the office takes heated of. <laughs> More office jokes. Um, right. <laughs> that's what we're doing, man. We're doing an office podcast. I'm trying. So so Dwight organizes. He wants to get a meeting of the salespeople. Right. And he makes invisible ink that is definitely not urine, but totally is urine. That's right. Um, And of course, nobody figures it out. Stanley crumples it up immediately. Andy actually follows through with what the contents of the faux memo is by reverse alphabetizing by, I forget what it is. Um, It's ridiculous, but he does it. And right. So Dwight actually has to explain to them, like he he ends up calling Andy, like "Where are you?" He's like, "Uh, where are you?" Right. It's like we just get get the salespeople together, come down to work. Right. Um. So then there's the secret meeting where, uh, you know, they kind of discuss how unfair this whole situation is, which you know, they're they're kind of doing like a, a makeshift mutiny, right? And Phyllis is like throwing shade all over Pam. Yeah. He's like, sorry, Jim. I think she's really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Like that thinking someone's really pretty just makes it all better. I know. I know. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, yeah. So obviously it is not good times at Dunder Mifflin with, uh, with this stuff here. But um, sorry, I lost my notes. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, so but it ends up so Jim leaves, Dwight grabs everybody. He's like, all right, we can either have a coup or take Ryan hostage. Right. And then and then Mary, what what are you doing? Okay. Uh so and then uh we, we get this whole thing where Meredith shows up and she's all like what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I just thought there might be a dog fight, which apparently is something Meredith really likes is dog fights. I guess she'd be a Michael Vick fan. Oh, sick burn on the Philly people. What? Uh, Jay Ray's gone, so I'm just going to say nonsense. And so when he invariably never listens to this podcast again, he'll uh, he'll hear it. Uh, one thing I did find interesting and apparently this is um, a made-up university, but Toby went to... California Coastal College. So he wasn't always in Scranton, which good for him. I'm surprised he came back. Oh, Jay Ray's back. Look at that. Oh, see, I play it off when you leave, man. I just keep talking (laughs) and I just pretend that you've got nothing to say. Well, then there was one time where I really screwed the pooch. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Jim, Jim says, look, he goes to Michael, you need to cool it. It's, you know, it's whatever. They're, they're, it's going to get bad. Right. And Michael, in his infinite wisdom, says that he is someone to not be truffled with. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, to, to listeners out there, if you want to truffle me and just give me truffles, I am more than happy to take your truffles. <laughs> Are truffles only chocolates? There are other types uh, of truffles, right? I think they're also mushrooms. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't want mushrooms. Do not send me uh, mushrooms. I will take it as a sign of aggression. 
and I will come at you with everything I've got. Well, but, but J Ray, uh, European white truffles sell for as much as $3,600 a pound. So if someone wants to send you truffles, you can sell them for a lot of money. Just feels like work. Just send me the money. Well, <laughs> uh, yes, send me chocolate truffles, white chocolate, cause I cannot eat dark chocolate. Add that to the Jacob podcast notes, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so then Jim eventually just tries to stay out of it, right? Um, yeah, he ends up, Creed's like sitting there with a the chessboard. He's like, times like this, I just find it's better to stay out of it. And so he just like chills out with Creed for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not weird at all. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's that, like, it's it's not a, a typical Jim move. Jim want, generally tries to fix everything, you know, like right. smooth it out. But he's like, you know what? This isn't worth it. James well, got to not, fight her own battles. Yeah. Well, it's not too dissimilar from what he ends up doing during the duel. Is that he does try to mediate between Andy and Dwight. And eventually he's all like, all right, well. Then he gives his bit about how he could take a day off. But then he had to leave one of them in charge and that would just be the worst. So he definitely is. It's a habit of Jim's to hit a wall where he's no longer... Well, it's probably one of those things where he's just like, he knows from experience to quit trying at some point. At some point, he's just like, you know what? Screw this. That's right. Um, Do you think that Creed is correct when he does his little, if you do this, I'll do that. You do this, I'll do that. Uh, Well, because it it could be two things. It could be him being like a secret genius or it's just Creed making rolls up. I didn't even look at the uh, like the board. Like, were the pieces in play, or was it like the starting position? No, I think things were moved about. Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. If there's a chess person out there, hit us up. Yeah, please uh, do a 24-style study of that scene. Zoom in, enhance, and then let us know the results. Um, so... Uh, Eventually, we actually see or hear Ryan on a phone call with one of these clients that he's acquired. Um, right. Right. It happens to be Dwight's client. And the conversation from our side of things doesn't seem to be going well. Right. Uh, it seems like uh, he's going to be losing this client because of whatever reason. Uh, I would assume that it was poor customer service. Lisa, um what it kind of seem like, yeah. But also does beg the question of, did does Dunder Mifflin have to honor those ultra low uh, Michael Scott Paper Company prices, or were the prices jacked back to the normal rates and customers got pissed? Yeah, I feel like they would go to normal rates uh, because unless because I guess I've never heard of a whole like a company that buys from a supplier to be locked in you know as consumers Um, you know we end up in like annual contracts for cell phones or for gyms or something but generally things like audible or uh you know whatever you could kind of like cancel at any time so similarly i would imagine that there must be some clause saying but I guess I could be giving Michael too much credit because I'm just realizing that that clause would have to be on Michael's side of things. Right. But I would also assume that like, um, you know, there's, 
contracts have to be negotiated on both sides, right? So you'd assume that on the Michael Scott paper company's side, they're like, we're going to keep rates at a certain level if you stay our customer, right? So maybe, I mean, I don't, I don't, this is where things get really mu- like murky and like M&A activities, like mergers and acquisitions. So how do the new company, you know, the contracts with the old company mean with the new company? Are they completely dissolved? I don't know. But it, it's, we're putting way too much thought into this, but it's, <laughs> well, there's so many questions. Because like how many episodes does a Michael Scott paper company exist? Four. Four. And we know that the first episode is just them setting up. They actually don't get a client until the uh, pancake breakfast, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's a total of it's a four episode arc because unless you count two weeks, right? You know, then it's the tail end of that, and then you have Dream Team, Mike Scott Paper Company, Heavy Competition, then Broke. Well, because we imagine that these episodes happened relatively when they aired, right? So really, they were only doing business for about three weeks. So I wonder if within that three-week period, Dunder Mifflin didn't feel the need when reacquiring these customers to say like, hey, you know, this is what's happening. You know, hope you're okay with it or have, or maybe they didn't feel the need to do this thing where they're like, hey, we understand that you had a certain level of pricing or whatever um so to help bring you back to our thing will accommodate it like i feel like it was such a quick blip that they were just like right but it's still con- contract law like it doesn't matter how quick it is well, can- unless there is like some kind of dissolving because some contracts will state that either party can dissolve the contract within x number of days but i guess my question was it a contract though because uh, the Golden Ticket, we find out that Blue Cross only then decides to make Dunder Mifflin their exclusive supplier. For yeah, I mean, right. So I mean, there you know, is that. So so like maybe really like it's, you know, Jim had that bottle of wine that he did celebrate this sale he did every year, right? Right. Um, but presumably he could have called and they would be like, you know what? We found someone else. We don't need to do an order with you. Because I don't think the customer is contractually obligated to buy from them. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe not, depending on how they set right. things up. Right. I mean, uh, the uh, Tim Meadows episode at Chili's, that felt like a contract thing. Right. Right. It yeah. sounded, yeah, that that seemed like, a, like they were going to be their exclusive provider or become a provider. For Lackawanna County. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. It's obviously sloppy. Yeah. And this episode is just a shining example of why more precautions should have been taken before. Right. And so, but you have, um, so they're all down the warehouse and Michael's pissed. So they come back and he's like, so where were you? He's like, we were having lunch. Yeah. Like, what'd you have? And like, Andy whips off something like super specific. Right. Like something with watercress, something, something. He's like, oh, then you won't mind if we eat your food. And we find out that Dwight had brought a pony sandwich to work and all this other stuff. And you just like, you can just see it like 
Michael is just so self-absorbed that he's not just it's not clicking in his head what's going on with the people around him, you know? Right. Um yeah. It's uh it was a, it was a power move <laughs> to sit over right. there eating Dwight's meat sandwich. Would um, you eat, would you eat a pony? You know, I mean based I mean you're a little bit more rural I think than I am. I think if, yeah. if you you know I think I would be the city slicker to your whatever that old dude's name is in city slickers. <laughs> Curly. Um but I've had deer once. <laughs> you know, uh that was fine at best. So to answer your question, no. <laughs> I don't think I need a pony sandwich. <laughs> sounds- uh, I've eaten I've eaten goat. That's about as adventurous as I've gotten. I've and I've had deer, you know, I've had venison, that's not a big deal. Jacob, um, let me tell you a story about a goat, okay? It's a slight tangent. I'll make it short, but you need to hear it. Okay. I, wa- I was five or six, just a wee baby. <laughs> Couldn't even talk yet. Little Jerry. <laughs> That's right. And um, my dad had woke me up super early that morning to take me to some type of farm for who knows what reason at that time. Um so I'm so we're there and he's talking to some dudes and he's like, Oh, you know, go hang out with the animals or whatever. So I found a great goat. An awesome goat, Jacob, my best friend ever to this day. Right? If I die, I'm gonna have that goat's name on my tombstone. I forget what it is, but I'll figure it out. Anyways, best friends with this goat. My dad's like, You like that goat, huh? I'm like, Yeah, he's like, That's really cool. Why don't you go wait for me in the car? I'm in the car. A couple of minutes later, my dad comes with a big black hefty bag. Puts it in the trunk and we go home. Uh, then I'm watching TV for who knows how long. And then eventually he's like, hey, I got to go to the store to pick up some stuff. I, I'm i like, cool, no problem. And then a couple minutes later, I go to the kitchen to get water. A regular thing for a six-year-old to want to drink. And you know what's on the goddamn kitchen table, Jacob? The head of my best friend, Goaty. <laughs> My dad had that thing butchered to shit, man. And there's just goat parts all over the kitchen. And this goat face is looking at me. And I'm calling my mom. And I'm like, Mom, Dad killed my goat. And she doesn't know what the fuck's happening. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Anyways. Sorry. You triggered me, bro. You said you ate goat. I remembered goaty. It was terrible. Okay. Moving on. The office. Well, the... So, but well, okay. I've, I I gotta share my uh, okay my one like oh crap, what did I eat story. So, back where I used to live, uh, there was a Chinese restaurant that was really good. Like, I mean, as Chinese restaurants go, it was okay. But I was a poor college kid, so you know, it was cheap and it was tasty. And so, I mean, I ate there quite a few times, probably like once a month kind of thing, you know. Right. And then I see an article in the paper. So and so Chinese place shut down for serving dog. I'm like, oh, oh. Shit. <laughs> oh man. Oh so, yeah, I've probably eaten dog. I didn't know I was doing it, but I probably have eaten a dog. Okay, all right. Well, at least you weren't familiar with those dogs, though. No, no. I don't know if that helps, but. but- so Michael's getting all pissy, right? And he's just like super pissed, right. and so but Phyllis just drops on him like. Michael, we, you hurt us. You thought you're hurting corporate, whatever, no big deal. But 
you were stealing our clients, our money. You were taking away from them, and that's where like Mike just—he understands that he messed up. Yeah, because the show. Yeah, the show did a really good job up until this point too of not really focusing on that part of this whole thing. You know, Charles is worried, and David Wallace is worried, and stuff, and the reps are aware that their customers are being taken away, but no one brings up this point. Um, So it's easy as a casual viewer to forget until Phyllis drops this bomb. And then you realize, yeah, like these are literally their livelihood that was taken away from them because Michael Scott was on paper at, you know, a nickel of ream or whatever. Right. And depending on, you know, if the, the whale actually moved over, Dwight lost his biggest client. Right. And, you know, I don't know if it's anything like, Jim, but Jim had that one client that was 25% of his yearly commission. So it could have been 10% of his pay gone. Right, right. Which is basically a pay decrease at that point. But it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Dwight tries to set it up and we see him writing another note and piss using Ryan's face cup. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great, I mean, that's, I mean, it's such a power move. You know, we never said anything to him. But it's definitely, like, a power move. Let's make it a point to recall, moving forward, if we see Ryan drinking from that mug again. Okay. Because obviously we know the implications of that, but I don't recall specifically if it ever, you know, pays out. But uh, I'm curious now. I want to know. <laughs> but yeah, so right. basically they call this other meeting or whatever after Dwight gives this thing. And again, like I said when we started this season, like this whole season has just been Dwight being like super insubordinate, you know? And right. he gives us really sassy, like secrecy does not come easy to me. It's <laughs> makes you want to slap him, you know, <laughs> pretend you're the KGB and just whack him. Uh, so and Michael tries, so he apologizes, gives them their clients back and, uh, offers them white chocolate bark, I think is what it was. Right. So and that's apparently his favorite candy. So what what's what's your favorite candy, J Ray? Um, it's not fancy. I think it's M and M's. I couldn't specify which. I think I have to say I like all of them. That's what makes me like them so much because there's a wide variety. But uh, yeah, I think I'm an M M&M and M guy. They weren't out for a long time, but I did really enjoy the pretzel M and M's. Oh, I think those are still around. Are they? I haven't seen them in a long time, and yeah. I haven't been with chocolate in like six years, so seven. I only happen to know because I bought some M and M's today. The brand new caramel M and M's. Haven't had are them they yet. Good? Well, ah. my celebratory post great Scott candy that I have every two weeks. <laughs> How I stay so healthy, you know. Yeah, I would say probably my favorite candy, nothing fancy, is just uh, is Airheads. Okay, you know the I'm not big on the fruit stuff, not because I don't like it, but candy fruit stuff tends to be a little tart for me, and I make a lot of stupid faces. Like I remember back I in fourth grade, Warheads, terrible. Oh yeah, and they're supposed Freaking to be sour. Warheads. Yeah, they were they were tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, candy uh, white chocolate bark sounds disgusting. Okay, so, you know, and then, then they move the wall like Daryl does. He's like, what have I told you about making forts in my warehouse? Right. So apparently this is something they've done, or at least Michael has done before. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so we get back upstairs and obviously the reality is that there's not enough clients now for both Pam and Ryan to be full-time sales representatives. Um, so Michael has to make a decision. And um, kind of a callback to the first episode, he plays a very humorous, lighthearted joke where he pretends to fire Pam. Right? Right. Terrible. He's joking. It's funny. Everybody thinks it's funny. Pam is now a new full-time sales rep of Dunder Mifflin. However, we find out that he did the reverse joke on Ryan, saying he got the job, and then being like, psych, which he doesn't understand why that's mean. Right. So, like, why the... Well, we also learn in this, because he there's this little thing between him and... Jim. Jim, where he's trying to get, like, some dirt on Pam. Right. And so we find out that Ryan has still never made a sale. Yep. So we don't know how he had that client, but apparently he had never made a sale. Right. Um, but my big question is why the fake out thing? And it kind of made me wonder, maybe because I'm just watching, rewatching Friends right now too, but like, is it from Friends? Because it's a big thing that Joey does in Friends is... uh is fake out people, you know, like do the whole, oh, I didn't get the job. So then he's all sad. Then he's like, oh, no, I got it. And everyone's super happy. Yeah, it could be. He he does a lot. That's a callback to TV shows he's fond of, right? Um, yeah. Well, and then just to skip ahead, just a hair, he does the same freaking thing to Aaron, too. <laughs> After all the right. good vibes, are, he brings this new girl in and, you know, it's great boss. Very good for morale. I love it. <laughs> you never know. But maybe, so, maybe there's something like where he wants to keep them guessing. Right. Right. Um, but we find out that Ryan has kept on his attempt or he's offered the temp job. Next episode, he's still there. So, you know, whatever. Um, right. And, uh. Yeah, but the, it all it all kind of kind of goes back to normal. But then, so Pam shifts though, because now she's a sales rep. Now she's out there in the pit with everybody. It's uh, it's interesting. I don't know if I like it. I think she kind of suffers a little bit while she's out there as a character, not just like Pam herself, but like me watching it makes me feel like she's a little less interesting. You know. Because the point right. the point of her leaving Dunder Mifflin was because she didn't want to be a receptionist the whole time, right? Right. But how she's written as a sales rep is that she's kind of terrible at it, which is fine. But you know, how many times are you going to kick poor Pammy down and don't call her Pammy? Hey, she gets a she, she maneuvers herself a pretty nice job here soon. So yeah, once Saber comes, she's able to do some fancy footwork, but uh. Yeah, it's just tough. It was just an interesting choice, and I don't know really what the overall point of it was, aside from like changing it up and introducing Aaron. But um, right, yeah, I mean, it, it really does feel like a thing they did, and then they were they were like, well, now what? Yeah, I mean, again, we find out she's not a great sales rep. Uh, I mean, Jim kind of moves forward with some stuff in his career. But um, so I felt like maybe they wanted them to move up together in some way. But yeah, she's kind of like constantly trying to 
you know, dig her feet in somewhere, and she's always kind of losing her footing every time from this point moving forward, you know? Right. This is something we kind of talked about with the other episodes, how, like, she seems to do this, where she really wants to do something, then she realizes it's hard, and then kind of quits. Yeah, I mean, not so... I mean, that's a little cold how you're phrasing it. I think they, some of those things are genuinely hard. And, uh, and like, you know, there's a point, and you know, Jacob, you're old, where, uh, <laughs> you know. Ouch. Yeah, I know. Well, I could tell. Well, I could tell. But, <laughs> Not that old. well, you know, so we do this broadcasting network or whatever, and really it's your baby. But if Great Scott wasn't the booming success that everybody knows it is, leave a review for us on iTunes. Five stars. Thanks. Um, you know, it'd be hard to give up as much time that we do to do the shows that we do if there wasn't some type of give back. You know, and it's it, true. And we it don't make true. money on this. The give back that we get is knowing that people like the shows that we do. Um, so I think it's similar because Pam is coming up to being 30, you know, so it's hard for her to do these art classes and go to her art galleries or whatever, or try to do school and all that jazz. Like it just gets really hard, I guess, when you're old uh, and have right, like right. responsibilities without being able to fall back on someone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, you were a little mean to Pam just then. I'm just trying to save her face a little. <laughs> All right. So uh, what are you going to rate this episode? You know, we talked a lot about this episode more than I thought we were going to. Um, it's a fine episode. I give it a 2.7 out of five egg salads. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, I I, uh, I got to give it a 3.75 because I think there's a lot of good character interactions, lots of change, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so 3.7 out of 5, Pam voices, <laughs> which apparently she can be very shrill in the mornings. Yeah, which Michael would only know because of their 5 a.m. paper routes, right? Well, no, Jim tells him. Jim tells him? Yeah, yeah, and they're they're one on one when they're talking about who he should hire, Jim or Pam, or keep, uh, right, give, right. keep the sales. Well, I thought Michael also knew. That's why that impression came from. But, but maybe, maybe. Yeah, I just feel like it's not a like an episode I want to rewatch all the time, which is part of why I do the, uh, you know, I do the lower review just because I'd rather watch the uh, the fun episode than the not fun episode. Anyways, moving on. Season 5, episode 27, Cafe Disco. Um, This one is written by Warren Lieberstein and Halstead Sullivan and directed by Randall Einhorn. Uh, Fun fact about Warren Lieberstein is that he was married to Angela... uh, I forget her last name, shit. Kinsey, right, right, right. Hold on, stand by. Yeah, Angela Kinsey. Uh, so they were married for a brief time. Um, obviously, Warren being uh, Paul's brother. But uh, yeah, he was a writer on The Office, so there you go. Um, so this is Cafe Disco. Jacob, what are your thoughts yep. on like, on a Cafe Disco in general? Say you had a cafe disco at your workplace. Uh, you know, I'm not a big dancer. It's just um, I'm I'm a very white guy, and that's just not something God gifted me with. 
Have you ever but, seen Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring? I, I have. Could you do any of those dance moves? I think that would be a acceptable form of dancing. Maybe. I mean, I did learn a little dance moves with the size from Sean T. It's like his workout while dancing thing. Okay, okay. We did that for a while. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the music wasn't bad. I like some good party music here and there, but... I remember in middle school, uh, we did Taibo in gym. So that was interesting okay. with, uh, with good old Billy Blank. Well, I will I will say that if you're looking for a good workout routine, uh, Sean T's Beachbody workouts are really good, like T25 and, and Sandy and stuff. So Oof, That does not sound like something I want to do. I've already proclaimed that I like to do a post-podcasting candy. Uh, a beach body workout seems to go counter to that type of lifestyle. So, but then you can have more candy. <laughs> see, see, I have a Sunday candy because that, that that's <laughs> what I allow myself to have. Is I have candy on Sundays, and right, I mean, Grant, I did say I do like Airheads, but I've been really into Twizzlers again here recently. Oh. I don't know, they they come around for me every once in a while. Twizzlers are very healthy candy if you got to eat candy. Yeah, but also it's just I don't know. There's something about like chewing on them that just they just it's you, good. They got good mouthfeel, I guess. Good mouthfeel. Uh, tell me something, sir. Do you do the strawberry original or do you do the pull and peel cherry? Um, uh, I'll generally do the original, or they do have the um the multicolored ones. Those are pretty good oh, too. The multicolored ones are good. Are those officially Twizzler? Yes. Because yes. I know There's Starburst a- came out with a licorice that was multicolored for a stretch. Those were a little too fruity also. Again, tart. <laughs> it- oh my God. And now on the candy podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's like that episode in Parks and Rec. It's like, we're a Red Vines family. I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if I've ever had a Red Vine. It feels like a West Coast thing. Uh, yeah, that could be, I've, I've seen them for sure. And actually for a long stretch, I thought maybe they were like a store specific candy. Like, you know, Walgreens has a, that brand nice. Oh yeah. Nice exclamation point. So I thought red vines were like something like that, where it's like, like Twizzlers, you know, (laughs) but but, uh, no, yeah, apparently they're a thing. Yucky. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so uh, the cold open for this episode is Erin um, gets a phone call and she loudly exclaims that she won her art contest. Right. Um, immediately, Dwight starts laughing and walks over and hands her some money. Or a 20 or yeah. something. Um, and he's just cracking up. And I don't even know what the joke is, Right. I mean, he, she's obviously doing a thing that Pam had done, even though she didn't verbally exclaim it that way. Right. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's not a, at her expense properly, you know? Right, because he didn't let it sit. But, he, you know, <laughs> Pam does kind of protest, right? Yeah. Right, because she goes, like, not cool, Dwight, right? Is that one of those? Instances right, right. And, um, but, like, as much as... Uh, they've messed with Dwight. How in the hell, like, can you like not like 
or think that what Dwight's doing isn't okay. Like it, it's, it's like it's just payback at this point, right? It's like fair, yeah. It's like the least they could let him get away with, right? Right, right. And Aaron too immediately is also like, I don't really understand what I just did. <laughs> like she was like clearly given these two lines to say out loud. Got money. Right. And she doesn't understand the point of it. <laughs> she just wants to fit in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we find out that Michael uh, is dancing in what was formerly known as the Michael Scott Paper Company office space. Right. Um, he's still he's still the owner of that lease or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so For the rest he, of the month. Yeah. So he just wanted to utilize that space, and by doing so, he put a espresso machine um, as well as a big boombox. I, I assume the espresso machine was there during Michael Scott Paper Company. Do we wonder if it is the same machine as the one from Hot Girl back in season one? I thought it gave it away, but I'd have to look at it. He was supposed to give it away for sure, which is, you know, Stanley comes by. He's all like, isn't that for the prize? And Michael's like, you know, it's easy to wash or something like that. That washes bottle or something. So I wonder if like he just never ended up giving it to anybody and kept it for himself. But who knows? Um, so it's, it's never brought up, you know. They don't like; they're not sitting down there drinking espresso. They're all chucking cheese balls at each other. Well, I I want to say you can see it, like from the um, like in the oh, episodes where they're in there. The I think you can see it in the background. That's yeah. Fair. Um. Yeah. So we find out that he's keeping this space and you know dancing and drinking coffee to de-stress himself. Right. Because, you know, he's only been back at this job for, like, what, a week or two? And he's already, like, ultra-stressed out, apparently. Right, right. So, um, you know, that's fine. But um, Aaron comes down at some point, And I know I'm skipping ahead a little. And uh, this basically starts this concept that he's trying to get more people to come visit his little dancey space. Right. Which is kind of the the uh, the big thing of this episode. Mm-hmm. And so he goes upstairs, he's like, uh, he, he like, he's like, I, I know your problem and I know the solution and it is funk as both That's the right. problem and the solution. And we hear like, I think this is the first like baby voice out of Andy is like, I'm going to kiss the boo boo. Oh yeah. yeah. Andy's got a real creepy baby voice. <laughs> which is why they make them do it so much but um right yeah so, and then we learned that we have to take out michael's batteries for to get him to like chill out yeah. i guess you gotta give michael credit he plays the part that's that's right um and it just stays there but uh you know michael kind of surmises that everybody is stressed out due to charles you know, he, right. was a, he was a high and tight kind of guy. He kind of had them running on a really tight ship and it maybe stressed them all out. And Cafe Disco is the solution. So it was, uh, he really did a number on these people. Now all they want to do is work. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so he goes downstairs and he is kind of just sitting there grumpily, right? Listening to music. Right, because no one's joining him. 
Uh, but eventually, Kevin does. Right. He makes a big old mess trying to get his espresso or whatever, but it, it seems chill. And Kevin's still a little grumpy. Obviously, again, Kevin's not A-team material. Um, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, then there's this nice little tug of war when Angela comes down to get Kevin. Cookie. Yeah. Cookie Kevin. Yeah. Cookie. Because Kevin was just supposed to get a signature or an answer or something. Right. Like, why, why treat him like a dog? <laughs> why does Kevin respond to the cookie comment? That's why. You get treated how you act. You act like a fat dog. You get treated like a fat dog. <laughs> Terrible. Um, it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Wind, you know, winding back a little bit, there the B storyline here is Pam and Jim are going to Youngstown, Ohio to get married because there is no waiting period in Pennsylvania or in Ohio to get a marriage license. Right. Uh, and it is 307 miles from Scranton to... Uh, now this looks like the most boring trip. So if if you take it from Scranton, okay, it's 0.6 miles to get on I-80, 300 miles to get to Youngstown, and then an exit and you're in Youngstown. <laughs> it's 300 miles on I-80. That is tough. I'm just doing some quick math here. It's like a five-hour drive, apparently, give or take. Roughly, yeah. Two. Only. Well, knowing how people drive here in PA, it could be like three hours. Yeah, I mean, that's based on the 60 miles an hour. But yeah, if you end up on like really wide roads, maybe no traffic, you could easily hit, go, be going 80. Well, it's all turn, that's all turnpike up there. Right. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know if that's true. I should have looked that up if you actually do have to not wait in Ohio. Yeah, they had some cheesy morning thing where they said, I want to marry you. It's like, oh, I want to marry you too. It's like, let's go get married. It's stupid and gross. <laughs> I mean, as someone who went through that, there were many a time where me and my now wife, we would just look at each other. It's like, you just want to go get married now? Because like planning a wedding is fucking stressful. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to, not to jinx it, but knock on wood, but Amanda and I of Dangerous to Go Alone fame brokenjobs.com uh, .xyz uh, we don't want to get married per se though we see the the government benefits taxes and shared healthcare right. and all that kind of stuff so similarly if we ever went a route that would make our legal situation more convenient for us it would probably be a very quick dirty Elvis Presley eloping type situation yeah there are so many times where we're just like screw it fuck it (laughs) we want to do so bad yeah i mean you know again i used to work at weddings and like a wedding is so not for the couple it's like for everybody else you know i remember my boss when i was doing video work chasing the groom or whatever to get their check before the end of the night because like that's how it worked The you know the groom and the bride are doling out checks to the dj and to the videographer and to the photographer and they're doing like a big check to the wait staff or whatever and it's all like it's ridiculous and it doesn't seem fun. It just seems like you invite your uncle so he could get wasted and hit on your younger friends or something. <laughs> I mean, our wedding was fun. I, I'm not going to say it wasn't good. And we, we did have a great, uh, like wedding planner. Like 
She did her, she knew her job, which was to run interference, which was basically no one got within 15 feet of my wife without her permission. Oh, that's nice. So she, she did a good job, but yeah, it was, yeah. Weddings are great, but they are stressful as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to do it. Terrible. Um, so they're trying to avoid the whole wedding thing because they love each other so much. Go get married. Dwight, however, finds... And also, as I said, weddings are really expensive, or it can be very expensive. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is, like, also seems like a financial detriment to put yourself in, like, when presumably you don't own a house yet or something like that, you know? Right. Well, it was something, like, for us, you know, it was sort of the traditional thing where the, the bride's parents pay for the wedding. Yeah. But we were like, can you just give us the cash, please? (laughs) Did that work? No. No, that makes sense. Um, But at least we didn't have to pay for it. That's fair. Because if we had had to pay for it, we would have had, like, we would have gone to the JP with, like, my parents and her parents and just had, like, Udoba for the, you know, (laughs) reception. That does not sound bad at all to me. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so, you know, they're all excited and as they're trying to plan or whatever, Dwight accidentally finds some map quest printed instructions on how to get to Ohio. Right, which... Yeah. Oh, it's to the courthouse, which I I guess I can see it, but, I mean, come on. (laughs) We know how easy it is to get to Youngstown, and Youngstown's not that big. Right. Um... So he kind of goes on like this witch hunt of like who's trying to go there and for what reason do they need to go to the courthouse? And he like inspects Aaron's license to make sure she's not like 14. Right, right. Which is, you know, Dwight showing that, you know, he's okay with like younger women working and other stuff. Because we do run into this whole um, thing where he's like, Oh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like if you're old enough to get married, talking about like a 12 year old girl, if you're old enough to get married, you're old enough to do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember where that was or if we fit that yet. Yeah, I forget. So Michael gets super grumpy. He's like, all right, so let's do this. And he gets uh, the speaker, holds it up to the the vent that we just we discussed that couldn't have been under Duff, dunder mifflin but is somehow right it seems to be directly under or at least has direct access to the men's room right right because we've heard toby have a phone conversation while on the toilet and now uh he's playing the music through the vents and people can kind of hear it from that break area right and phyllis goes down Throws her back out immediately. Yeah. So, so Michael being the ever, you know, humble, you know, humble, but courteous person is like, we got to get her out of here or no one will want to come dance. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so he gets Dwight yeah. to do this thing. And so he ends up like just shutting it down or whatever. And then Kelly... And Aaron find it, or they get sit down to clean it up, right? Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, or maybe just Aaron specifically, but then Kelly like joins because they become BFFs at this point. Right. And so you have, they start playing, uh, I think it's Katy Perry. Uh, yeah, I think so too. 
Yeah. And when two girls start dancing, things happen. What kind of things? What are you trying to say? I can't say because my wife said she would hit me if I did. Oh, boy. (laughs) Look, guys, guys want to go where the girls are and girls want to go where girls are because girls feel safe around other girls. So just the nucleus has to be two girls doing things for for more people to be attracted to a space. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah, so what we see is we see one of the two fellows from Bob Vance's warehouse crew. He's got this sweet pompadour going on, Danny Zuko style. He's munching on the sandwich, and he sees these two young ladies, and he runs out to go get his buddy um, that there are girls dancing, right? There's girls. Yeah. Where? In there. Girls? What did I say? <laughs> yeah. Girls. Yeah. It's a Quentin Tarantino-esque dialogue moment for sure. Um, so they run there and then it just kind of snowballs from there we don't really see how the rest of the people show up but they are Um, and Michael is kind of irritable and uh, but he hears music right he says something to Creed he's like I can still hear the music it's like oh yeah I hear it too boss I just thought I was crazy or something like that and also no one really mentions it but Creed comes out of one of the bathrooms eating a chicken leg. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't notice he was eating a chicken leg. Yeah, yeah. It's not weird or anything. <laughs> um, so Michael opens the bathroom door. Again, shouldn't be direct, but it seems to be. Here's the music, runs down, and he sees his handiwork uh, going. There's a limbo bar, the music's blaring. Pretty much everybody in the office is down there, save for Pam and Jim. Um, right. and, and Dwight and Phyllis now because Dwight and Phyllis are locked in the conference room uh, doing this weird horse massage thing <laughs> he, he somehow has otter oil which I don't even want to know but I'm looking it up uh, how much it would cost <laughs> otter wax leather wow it's cheaper than I thought no, it's a brand. Uh, I see. I don't think you can buy it. <laughs> no. But I have found a handy conversion for otter tail power. Okay. Uh, That's like a <laughs> I know, but still, instead of like horsepower, so it's uh, I'll have to figure that out later. But. There you go. There, there are people who have figured out the uh, the power. How much electricity a otter flapping his tail can generate? I mean, because that's how people are <laughs> do things on the internet. Apparently, yeah, that's fair. Well, I suppose if you don't want to run a an exercise bike to run your power generator, you could just try to figure out how to harness an otter tail. <laughs> Uh, so he has that, which you, yeah, I mean, it's Dwight he's got sketchy, uh, he's got sketchy connections and, you know, so we find out that, you know, Phyllis for at least for a brief moment thinks that Bob's going to cheat on her. Yeah. Because he's got that receptionist that looks just like a young Phyllis glasses and all. And, um, 
you know, Dwight does a pretty good job of like making her feel better. This is like, I guess it's like the second instance where Dwight and Phyllis are kind of friendly, right? Right. The first being that, um, the the yeah, 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 crime aid. Um, so eventually, um, what happens, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's down there. We have a dance off, uh, between Kelly and Andy, which kind of plays, which kind of gets rehashed in, um, Niagara Falls. In Niagara Falls. Uh, but so we have that happen. Uh, and really the episode just kind of, you know, we decide your Jim and Pam decide that they're not going to go. They want an actual wedding. Uh, and everyone just has a good time, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, I think they're walking by with the intention of leaving, but they see that everybody's kind of enjoying it and they say oh we'll stay for a couple minutes but you know i think being around their friends like that makes them want to uh you know so okay so here is the one question i do have is this guy i mean we know it's three to five hours to get to youngstown from scranton right we know the courthouse is not going to stay open late because nothing no government buildings do right so what time is it? Because it's got to be no later than noon. Correct. Because that dude was eating lunch. And Michael was eating lunch, too, when he heard the music. So, yeah, it's got to be around noon or one. And if it's a so five-hour like, trip, yeah, that, they were cutting it close for sure. So Michael got on the, hey, you guys need to come dance, like, early on in the morning. Right. Which, to be fair, if it were me, I wouldn't want to go in the morning. I would want to get some work done and then, like, all right, time for a break. Go down to Cafe Disco. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, what it ends up feeling like is that the rest of this day is just spent at Cafe Disco. Right. Like, no one goes back to work at any point. Oh, the joys of a Michael office. Yeah. Uh, so what would you give this episode, sir? Uh, I like this one. I mean, it's a simple episode. It kind of, it, you know, it's it gets rid of the the stigma of the whole Michael Scott Paper Company thing. It's like, okay, we are one thing again. It feels like all is right with the world again. Michael's being a douche. You know, it, it's just it's just a good episode. So I gave this uh four out of five diamond dancers. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, I feel similarly. Uh, I gave it a three point seven out of five girls, which is <laughs> the sandwich in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's a funner episode okay. for sure. And we are finally finishing up season five with Company Picnic, uh, written by Jennifer Salata. Hey, finally got her name right on the first try. Woo. There you go. And Paul Lieberstein and directed by King Quapis. This episode also happens to be the 100th episode of The Office. Worked out pretty well. I mean, again, that's all thanks it's, to the writer's strike. That's why the last season was all wonky numbered. But Right, but yeah. So this will be our 100th rating at the end of this episode. Right. That's crazy. 
Uh, so it is company picnic time at Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. Uh, oh, there. Yes, but there is a great cold open where Michael has eaten an entire family-sized chicken pot pie. Right. One of those and, ones that fits like six to ten people or something crazy. Right. And, uh, you know, full babies it and crashes in his office. And they play a prank on him where they make him think it's the end of the day. Right. And it works. And it works. I just wonder when he realized that it wasn't five. Because I think they do it at what, like what, 12, 30, 1 o'clock? Yeah, it's pretty early. I, yeah, I I almost feel like I could see Michael not ever realizing it, but just thinking it's a really long night, you know? Right. It's Yeah, but as soon as he gets home, right, he's going to – his other clocks are going to be – you know, the, the, the time on his TiVo is going to be wrong. Yeah, that's fair. His favorite shows should be starting and they're not. You know? Yeah. I don't think he'd be mad about it though either. Or I could still even see him maybe thinking that he's got the error on his end. Well, I don't think he'd be mad about it. I, just, I think he'd be like, oh, that's a good prank. Right. You know, because he does like a good prank. Yeah. As long as it doesn't insult his intelligence too much. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we end up going to this company picnic. One that right. we've never been to before. But presumably this is kind of an annual event, right? Right. Because we do hear about the spider in Jim's softball mitt from the year before. Right. So apparently they like change sports from, you know, the different teams play different sports. Right. Um, have you ever been to a company picnic? Uh, yes, I've been to a couple company picnics. The best was back way back in the day when my dad worked for Compaq. Okay. They used to rent out Six Flags in Houston. Wow. Like, so there was like a thousand people at Six Flags in Houston for a day. Like you could, you could literally ride something as much as you wanted. Like, I think I rode one roller coaster like four times in a row just cause I could. But uh, that was probably a fair amount of people who went, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the entire company, yeah. which was about, like, a thousand people, I would guess. I think the only time I had such open access to a Six Flags was Physics Day in high school, <laughs> where a bunch of high schoolers, I guess, across maybe the, maybe the whole state uh, were invited to go to Six Flags, and they, we performed physics experiments while on the rides so we had a uh a tennis ball tube fashioned with a like a gram weight on the inside on a rubber band and then we marked i guess gravity or um what the hell is the that g-forces called? g-force yeah so then while we were on roller coasters we had to have this thing flapping on our wrist and we had to look at it and measure the g-force while we're on like raging bull or some shit you know El Toro, that's what it was, El Toro. And um, yeah, so it was, um, it didn't work out well. Although that was the first time I enjoyed roller coasters, so it was an important day. Not like a company picnic, however. <laughs> Very different. Right. And most company picnics that I've been to are pretty much like this. Mm. Uh, my 
work now doesn't have a company picnic, but they have like, I mean, they're still big divisions, but like more divisional things that are like end up being like 600 people, a couple hundred people, you know, but it's more in like one reporting structure. Like everyone under a certain vice president will go or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, they're pretty much like this, you know, they try way too hard to do like team building things. Right. It's like, dudes just learn, just give us food and let us chill out for a day. But they always want us to do like charity events and crap. And I'm just like, activities. like I could actually be like, it's one of the few times where I'm like, you know what? I could actually be working. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the marketing department ends up being responsible for a lot of these types of like fun events. So we put on supposed to be creative. I know it's bullshit, bro. All I do is quote the office. So, so, uh, will your company pay for alcohol? No, it's a big Uh. thing. Yeah, so we do this holiday party, and I guess way back before I started, they used to do booze, but um, we went to the same venue three years in a row, and I guess that first year, the wait staff kept offering wine and stuff. Now, that being said, it, the open bar was included in what we paid. We just told them not to open the bar, and they wouldn't give us a discount not opening it. So, you know, the wait staff didn't know any better, and they kept offering, and then my... CEO thought they were being pushy. <laughs> so like it was like a whole big discussion with them the following year that like if any of them offer, like we're just going to pick up and go. And it's like, man, you got to like let people unwind because this thing has an agenda. There's like not even five minutes of like talk to people at your table. It's yeah, it's terrible. It feels like work. Yeah, I'd rather stay at work the whole time. Right. And, you know, Green, I, I understand why you may not want to have booze but that's the easiest way to make your employees happy it's just like fr- free apps and free booze and your employees will be happy that's it that's all we want um so you know they've got uh they've got their dunder mifflin shirts on and such and they they right. go there and we see um yeah pam explains that someone grabbed her breasts the previous year for balance Right, and he's like, you don't grab these for balance, and Jim has this like, yeah, yeah. well, it depends. <laughs> it's like the best Jim face, I yeah. think, because he's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like he- yeah. I mean, because well, you know, Jim's a, a fortunate guy in that pretty much every lady he's with on this show is is a is a looker of high caliber. Yes, but he. You know what? I'm I'm not even gonna go there. Thank you. Just, we all appreciate. Yeah, well, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> um, this is also the first time we are introduced to Dwight's friend Rolf, right? Um, who is played by a guy I know, not personally, but know of. Damn it! Where is his name? Uh, special guest? No, he's not. He guest cast. That's who he is. Um, James Urbanak. Urbanak. Um, and I don't know if you watch um, Venture Brothers. He plays Doctor Venture. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Venture Brothers. I don't necessarily watch Venture Brothers, yeah. but I've seen some episodes. Yeah, it took me a long time to make that connection. I was like, why does this dude sound so familiar? But because he voices a cartoon character. Now, if this is a little tangential, but uh, if you really want to watch a good documentary, watch uh, I Know That Voice. It's all about voice uh, actors. Yeah. Very good. Never seen it, but I want to. A lot of, and a lot and a lot of good voice actors of things that you'd remember. 
Right. Yeah. It, have you ever looked at the voice actors like IMDb page? It's like 800 like credits or something. They end up having so many. Yeah, it's true. And like they'll play like three characters in the same thing or something. Um, like the Futurama cast is like that whole show. And it's always funny when you're watching it and there's like Zap Brannigan, Fry, and Dr. Farnsworth, or Professor Farnsworth, and they're all hanging out and they're all voiced by Billy West, you know? Right. So that whole scene is just him talking to himself for four minutes until the next scene, you know? Right. So, uh, uh, so Rolf so is there as a plus one. Mm-hmm. And some other people we see there are AJ. And Holly. And Holly. Uh, this is the first time, presumably, that Michael's seen Holly um, since she left. And uh, so, you would assume, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, so they have a little hug or whatever. Kevin again, showing up, being awkward. Um, you know, because he's the one who points out that AJ's there too. Just like right. awkwardly pointing out Jan at the grocery store. You know, it, Holly doesn't come off very well, at least this in this interaction. Mm. Like, she knows Michael still likes her, or at least you'd assume so. Um, I always wondered if maybe she was being more cautious about it because of that letter she wrote. So we know that she has feelings for Michael, so maybe she's trying uh, to so do her own thing, yeah. She's overcompensating. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. Okay, I can see that. All right. So this episode is really important for one, well, two things. But the most important thing is we have finally reached the great volleyball retcon. Mm -hmm. That's right. We've been talking about this since episode, I'm pretty sure episode one of this podcast. And it is finally here. Yeah, we had set out to like talk about storylines that are implemented way early and come to fruition later and then these retcon moments and the pam volleyball mystery is one of the biggest in all of tvdom when inevitably the office is on tv land um (laughs) even the commercial breaks will be talking about it it's that important so yes we so she does we do we do find out that she has a good serve and yeah, yeah, she's so she's like she looks at the camera, it's like she she drops this great serve and she's like, What? So maybe I played a little bit in high school. Right. I'm a little bit in college. It went to volleyball camp most summers. Yeah. And like even Jim seems surprised, but if it was such a big deal to her, Jim would know, right? Yeah, I mean and there are some oddities too in like in terms of what each other knows because um during the barbecue we know Pam was in Jim's room, right? And I have right. a very vivid memory that Jim had a guitar in his room. But for some reason it's a surprise piece of information when we're following Dwight in Second Life and Philly Jim has a guitar on his back. So there's this, like this weird like selective memory thing that sometimes they do for like the bit in the moment. So right, but again, season nine, like they know everything about each other. Right, when she's trying to figure it out, like she thinks Jim has a secret, but yeah, yeah. So you know, 
it's hard when you have a TV show that runs this long. And this is one of the larger casts, I think, of a TV show um, sometimes. Because really, it's... Yeah, especially you know, what I would consider integral pieces to the show. Right. Like, uh, another show we've been watching is Cheers. Right. Uh, which has a big cast, but m- most of them are just like... They're there. They don't actually have like storylines developing. Right. Right. You know, because the office has Michael, Jim, Pam, Dwight, Angela, Angela, Oscar, Kevin, Meredith. They all, Meredith, Meredith, not as much. She's more window dressing. She's more of a a plot device. Creed 2. Creed 2. But, you know, there's, there's at least six characters with real development in the show. And that's a lot. And, you know, the way the office is laid out, almost all of those actors have to be there for almost every scene, really, you know? They're- right. And then we get, you know, now we've got Aaron and we eventually have Gabe and... Right. So, you know, it it gets, does Andy. get muddled. Huh? We didn't mention Andy, but obviously he's huge. Oh, Andy, yeah. Andy's a big one, so... Yeah, but yeah, but like we said, this this season you get a lot of retcons that seem to hold for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what something they were doing because I mean I'd have to look at it, but this is probably about the time that more serialized television was becoming really popular. Right. You know this. So like I know I know Dexter was out about this time. There, Mad Men was starting to come out, so maybe they were like, "All right, we're gonna do some stuff and make it a bit more serial going forward." Yeah, because we've talked about it too. Even when we we're just trying to schedule how to organize the podcast, but moving forward, there's a lot more episodes that are directly connected, if not specifically in parts. Uh, because they were long episodes or because the story arcs are so integral, like the whole Will Ferrell ending of, uh, what, season six or seven? Seven. Yeah. I think it's seven. Um, yeah, so I could see that, too, that they made, like, a shift. Plus, somewhere around this time, yeah, 2009, I think Parks and Rec is just um, coming out, too. Right. And that's one reason there's a big shift in the writing, because a lot of writers went mm-hmm. from their from the office to parks and rec right right and it's another reason why there's a, a shift in the um like the way episodes are shot is because the some directors leave yeah et cetera, et cetera. Well, and then even the actors themselves too some are just busy you know there's whole you know andy gets written off the show for a long while um because right. he's busy and um you know it happens with quite a few different characters i think uh BJ Novak, he leaves for long stretches here and there, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe he stays on staff, just didn't want to be on screen. But, you know, there, I always figured there were reasons that those people were filming other things or whatever. So they had to like lean more on these other characters, which is why Dwight and Angela are almost as important as Jim and Pam by the end of the series, obviously. I mean, that's what the se- season series finale is, right? Right. Uh, their wedding. So. Uh, there are characters that you never thought would be prominent characters from the pilot, but by at this stage, you're starting to see that they're obviously integral to the moving gears that is the office. Right. And, and like we, as 
more of a wrap up thing, but like we talked about, like this is something that the office does well is they shift focuses around instead of just trying to like hone in on like two people. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause honestly, again, I stand by it after Jim and Pam get together, the show loses some of its magic because the first three seasons are kind of banked on that. Will they, won't they? Right. Um, that's why the focus to Dwight and Angela becomes more of a thing because there needs to be that relationship. And then obviously when Michael's with Holly, he leaves because there's no, will they, will they with him either? Um, so then the show takes some interesting turns where like, you know, Jim and Pam have trouble later on in the series that I, which I hate because I feel like it comes off kind of weird. Um, because Michael's not there, the people who come in to kind of take his place also are kind of like more villains than he ever was, you know? Like Robert California is kind of like a bad guy in a show that doesn't really have bad guys, you know? He is certainly something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then similarly, too, then we, we have to deal with Joan. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just interesting story elements that have to be portrayed because the basis of the show even from its UK roots were Jim and Pam, you know? Right. Right. So without that, the show really kind of goes in a different direction. Um, and you either like it or you don't, I don't like it. I watched <laughs> it all. I'm doing a podcast about it, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like when you do your rewatch, when I'm not having to do a podcast about it, I tend to go through up until mid season five, maybe. And then I'll just start over before finishing the series. So, I will generally, like, if I do skip some episodes there to get to season six, because I feel like there is a bit of a renaissance in the show. Yeah. I mean, then I go through moments where I do, um, you know, themed episodes. During Christmas, I'll watch all the Christmas episodes, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. That's the only way I'll get to those later episodes anyways. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah. But so it's different. Lots of retcons, lots of changes, and I feel like it's because the show kind of had to. Otherwise, what the hell would it be about? Right. Yeah. All right, so there is a B storyline. I think we should just wrap this episode up because uh, there's not really a lot going on. Mike and Holly do a skit. They announce that Buffalo is closing. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> and we find out Bam is pregnant. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I suppose we get launched that uh, there's a weird bit where they accidentally reveal that uh, a branch is closing. Right. Uh, but that ultimately doesn't really affect anybody on the day-to-day. Um, yeah, there's the injury. Rolf is a weirdo who's yelling at people. Um, but it's the first time. There's a moment there where Dwight stands up for Angela in that instance. I guess because Rolf was taking out anger on Angela as the best friend of Dwight, right? Right, he was like calling her names and stuff. Right. And so this kind of isn't cool. sets in motion the um, the sex contract. I guess would be the next step, right? When is that? Uh, maybe, yeah. They, I guess, it does set that in motion, yeah. but it's still a ways down the road. I think. Yeah. I don't think it's next season. But because of that, that frees up Aaron for Andy. So then that that's coming. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just volleyball. Charles is a bit of a dick. 
I'll say yeah. Charles hadn't been a dick before. He just seemed like a serious guy doing his job. Um, and he was mean to Big Tuna, of course. But right. generally, he seemed like a competent guy. But in this uh, episode, he does come off a little bit more bullyish than he usually is. Right. Um, so I guess that's worth noting. Do we ever see Charles again after this, though? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. It gets too busy, you know, being a Norse god and chilling out with Thor. That's exactly right. That's what it is. <laughs> um, and then there's some weird team uh, stuff going on between Jim and Dwight because they want to win, right? Um, so right. They kind of work together throughout this whole thing and then again revealing that Pam is pregnant. The big old P. Yep. All right, so what are you going to give this episode? Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, this episode is also not an episode I'd like to watch a bunch, uh, but it's fine. So I give it a 2.9 out of 5 Slumdog Millionaires. <laughs> Some Dunder Mifflinaires. Yeah, I can't say that, though. <laughs> it's like a tongue twister just because those words don't make sense together. All right, so I... um. I like, yeah, I didn't like this. It's okay. I mean, it's okay at best. So I gave it a two out of five, send in the subs. Hey. It seemed like a very weird end to a weird season. Yeah. You know, like it just feels like it feels like it should have ended with Cafe Disco and they're like, oh crap, we got to make one more episode. Yeah. Because this is actually the longest season period in terms of episodes. Right. So like I think this is like twenty eight episodes, and there's twenty like the next longest is twenty six, something like that. Right. So it really feels like they're like, ah, oh, crap, we got to build one more episode, so they just kind of toss it in there. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are you gonna give season five? It's time for our great reflection of season five. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably give it. I have to think about it, man, because we've been watching this season for so long. I feel like I know it feels like forever. Yeah, I gotta give it something like a two point five out of five. No funny comments because <laughs> it's a whole season that I can't think of a reference right now. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's pretty much a pretty typical season. Like there's, I mean, even the Pam pregnancy thing doesn't feel like a big reveal. I mean, I guess a lot happens. Pam goes to school. They get engaged. Pam is pregnant. There's a house that's bought. But it just feels kind of whatever. It's all just stepping stones to more important storylines, you know? Right. Yeah. Like like I said, like we said, it feels like they're setting a lot up. And it really feels like. I don't know. It feels like uh, it's just chunks, right? There's like the first couple episodes that are a thing, you know, the weight loss stuff. And then there's some building up to crime aid and then Holly leaving and then Michael doing the stuff. And then to to get to Michael Scott paper company, it feels like they're just trying to get to these next story points that really just, it's not a cohesive season. Right. Right. Like, you could eat, I, I it would be easy to think of certain parts as happening in like season four or season six or seven, you know. Right. Uh, you know, when I came coming into this podcast, I had was of the opinion that season five was better than people thought it was, 
you know, it was a bit underrated, but now I think it's it's about it's about rated. It's about <laughs> it's about rated. Yeah, it is accurate. It's not overestimated or underestimated. It's appropriately estimated. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like I said, I don't know. Just kind of, you know, you, you take all those things, but it just feels kind of like a hodgepodge of office stuff. Um, right. It really does. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. It's it's a whole season setting up other things. Right. Right. There's no big shining moments that stick out to me and be like, oh, man, remember that? Like, that was crazy. I mean, the best part of it is, uh, like, Michael Scott Paper Company. That's really the best part of the season. Yeah. I mean, we had said it before we even got there, but that was kind of the whole point of the season. All these little things leading up to this separation. And really, I right. felt like that's how it should have ended with something like... um broke you know well you know cat if, if i was gonna end it i would have ended it at cafe disco just right there everyone's happy it's a nice ending send people off in the summer happy because how did season four end uh season four how does that end um because you know Season three obviously ends with um, asking you know Jim coming back, which is huge. Uh, Season four ends with goodbye Toby. Right. Yeah. So there's there's no um, mandatory thing for there to be like a cliffhanger ending. Right. Because that didn't really have one. It kind of leaves on this weird hopeful note that maybe. I mean, I guess it introduces that Jan was pregnant. Yeah, I mean, but that's not really a big, I mean, yeah, it's a thing and there's some intrigue, but there's not a really a lot of intrigue in between seasons. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, there's just no reason to kind of end on like this big note. Because, I mean, you can obviously, like, it wouldn't, it, as as a, as fans watching, you know, the premiere of season five, it would have taken them like two lines to write Jan out if they decided they didn't want to use use that storyline, you know? Right. Yeah. So again, fine episode. I mean, it's definitely the office. Right. Yeah, there's no crazy deviations here about that, but yeah, it's just kind of a typical yeah. thing. I am looking forward to getting into season six. I like um the changes that happen in the show. There's some really good episodes in it. Uh, there's m- arguably two of the three most awkward episodes in the entire show are in this season. We get Saber. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff that happens in this. Like, this is an appropriate shakeup, what season six will bring. Mm-hmm. Like, again, because Michael Scott just comes back. The Michael Scott Paper Company brings us back to status quo, you know? Like, the Saber right. stuff changes the way the office works. Right. And there's there's a lot of... Um, this is where a lot of side characters really start to get developed. Because we have Oscar getting developed more in this one. Um, You know... There, there's, there's new dynamics with new characters with Gabe and 
Aaron and um, Andy become a thing. Aaron and Andy become a thing. Uh, so yeah, it, it's good. Like Dunder Mifflin has been on the verge of dying for five years, and it finally does. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into season six. Right. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. All right. Uh, you can reach us at Broken Jars Broadcasting at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingles. Uh, we're on Reddit. Uh, we're on Patreon if you want to give us some of your hard-earned money. Yeah. Greatly appreciate it. And if you do, you can chat with us like online because I'm on our Discord a lot. So if you want to like come talk with me or just tell me I'm a terrible person, I don't know. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. <laughs> JK all day. Only a little bit. JK all day. No, yeah, no, the Discord place is great. And then uh, you'll get to meet some of the other Broken Jars folks and maybe even uh, add some new podcasts to your uh, podcast listening queue, which will be nice. Yep, yep. And uh, so I will see y'all in a month-ish. Yep. Uh, if you want to meet me up, I'll be at the San Diego Comic-Con this year. So if you want to have a beer or something, just let me know and we'll uh, chill out. Just look for a man with glasses and a big beard. I'm sure there are no one who fits that description at Comic-Cons. Well, <laughs> this is one of those things that sucks about having a beard, is it makes it really hard to cosplay, because I'm not a big dude, and all the d- dudes on like TV or movies who have big beards are like, you know, Dothraki or Thor or whatever, and I'm like, I can't pull off any of those. Right. Oh, uh, you could try uh, you can, all right, guys. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say. Cosplay. <laughs> going for it. That's right. <laughs> all right. Y'all have a good one. See you next time. Bye.